0: Welcome to Mental Health TV. We're really excited for tonight's episode. We've got some fantastic guests and we're going to be talking about really important innovation called uh, Nurse Lifeline. But before we do that, let's go to Vanessa to say how you can join in and how you can ask questions and participate tonight. Because we always love to hear from you. Vanessa? Lovely. Thanks, Nikki. So I'm Vanessa Garrity.
1: Um, I'm going to be covering the social media tonight. We'd love you to join in the conversation um, you can do that in a few different ways. If you're into Facebook, if you go on to the Unite MHNA Facebook page, you should see, if you tick um, to like the page, you should then see the live feed pop up, um, and you can comment there, and you can watch the live stream as well, and I'll be monitoring that and looking for any comments and questions, which we can feed through to our guests. Um, if you prefer Twitter, you can go on to Twitter and just look up the hashtag MHTV. And again, I'll be keeping an eye on any tweets. And if you've got any questions for our guests, do ask them via via Twitter or Facebook. Um, And that's it from me really for now. So I'll keep my head down tonight. But um, any questions, I'll feed them into the discussion. Fantastic. Kira, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself?
2: Hello, um, I'm Keira. Um I am a nurse by background, an adult nurse. I've spent uh, my short career so far in emergency nursing um, and critical care, um, and I've now taken a, a small side step into primary care as well. Um, I'm also co-founder of Nurse Lifeline.
0: And now you're partnering partner in crime, Natalie. Yes. Natalie, can you tell us about yourself? <laughs> uh,
3: so I'm Natalie. I am also a registered nurse. Um, we actually both qualified together in 2017, Um, I have a background in ED and critical care, and done a bit of overseas work in humanitarian settings and also in the RAF Reserves, and I am founder of Nurse Lifeline.
0: Fantastic, so tell us, what is Nurse Lifeline? It's
3: a good question, (laughs) where to (laughs) begin? It's been a really long journey, really challenging journey, but a really positive one too. Um, So I think it's really important to highlight, actually, that pre-pandemic, nursing midwifery general healthcare roles were a pretty tough gig you know i think we that's kind of to some extent been overshadowed by the pandemic um mm. that we were struggling long before the pandemic was about um so back in 2019 um i had personal experience myself of burnout and and really just feeling overwhelmed by the number of colleagues that were struggling um in, in various areas um, and sitting back and thinking, we we need to do something about this. You know, there were mm. definitely formalised support services out there, but often there were long waiting times and people felt a bit inhibited um, in accessing those because, you know, they thought maybe they wouldn't get it or that people would look down upon them thinking, oh, you're a rubbish nurse or a rubbish midwife or, mm. or rubbish student because you can't cope. Um, mm. And we suddenly thought, wouldn't it be amazing if mm. after a normal shift or after a really bad shift you know whatever kind of day you've had you could just ring up and and chat with somebody who gets it someone who potentially understands and can relate to what you're going through you know mm. you have to put things into context you don't have to explain what you mean by the terms you're using you don't have to worry about burdening them so much mm. because you're it's just a space to offload and so, really, that's where the concept for Nurse Lifeline was born. Um, and I managed to get some fabulous people on board. Dragged Kira under the bus with me. Um, <laughs> some other fantastic colleagues: Sahar for and Sarah Driver, um, mm. the nurse and midwife, respectively. Mm. And. Um, we had no idea how we were going to do it or how we were going to make it happen, but we knew that it had to happen. We felt mm. so impassioned and driven to see mm. change, to see sustainable change, and really do something tangible to support our colleagues nationally in a new way that hadn't been seen before. Um, and it's been a really, really challenging journey, like we said, and there have been several points on the way, You know, particularly as the main significant setup phase was during the pandemic literally Mm -hmm. in between our own shifts night shifts in intensive care um Mm -hmm. trying to recruit volunteers and find funding and set up as a charity build a website and the list goes on Um, Mm -hmm. and we had no idea again how to make it happen and we kind of learned as we went and we've had Mm -hmm. some brilliant people join us along the way and we're so grateful to have that support Um, Mm -hmm. and we're at the stage now where the service is live and we've got almost 50 volunteers on board Um, people can ring any weekday evening between 7pm and 11pm and we've got long-term aims for the listening service to be a 24-hour service you know Mm. middle of the night if you're on a night shift or wherever you are that you've always got someone there that you can just pick up the phone and chat with without an appointment completely free Mm. confidential Mm -hmm. and the idea really is that it might be enough for them to have that space to offload and feel connected with another person and just chat with someone who gets it, or it could be a step towards building the confidence to seek ongoing support where needed. And mm-hmm. so that's where we're at, really.
0: Mm-hmm. Was anything you wanted to add to that?
2: Uh, I think just to add, I think that the the peer-to-peer listening service. So all of our volunteers Mm -hmm. are nurses and midwives by background that have been trained in support skills. And I think that the the listening service was absolutely at the core of what Nurse Lifeline was. That was the inspiration. But what we really are trying to create is a is a community of positivity around nursing, um, and where people feel able and in a position to seek support if they need to, but also Mm -hmm. just just to to you know build a positive community of nurses because it's such a brilliant brilliant career to be in um and i mm. think that that it's nice to just share experiences and and mm. build relationships you know across countries so between scotland and england and or you know in different trusts to share experiences so we are mm. although the, the phone line is at the core of what we're doing it is about be a building a positive community of support as well
0: mm-hmm. and so you're saying even before the the pandemic things were tough for nurses what sort of um issues were you coming across that made you think we really need to do something
2: i think um i mean it's it's pretty broad isn't it but a lot mm. lots of people working in high pressure environments with with no recognition that mm. continued exposure to what we believe are normal experiences can end up having an impact on your own wellbeing and mental health mm. um You know, staff shortages, that kind of thing, poor working environments, Mm -hmm. um, not understanding, you know, how to escalate concerns if you've got them. Um, And I think, yeah, maybe not being aware of the challenges you might be faced from from a student nurse. I think you go in, Mm -hmm. you know, excited and blind in some ways, which is great, but it doesn't last very long. And I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, my view is that you need to be prepared for that. As a, as a student and then mm. it wouldn't be such a blow I think when you when you do get out on the floor um mm. so there's some of the things that I I experienced
3: personally. What completely you? yeah and I think the whole thing about burnout I mean it manifests in so many different ways and there are several definitions mm. but we were actually chatting out I got a really rubbish analogy for this mm. uh, that really helps me to kind of explain what it feels like um, and other people have kind of related to this and if you're not an ICU nurse by background, you might. I mean, someone will probably call me out on my rubbish anatomy and physiology. i <laughs> <and> say this is <laughs> completely rubbish. <laughs> but if you picture uh, a, an asthmatic patient who's ventilated mm. in intensive care, and there's this thing called breath stacking or air trapping, and they're taking in breath and they have this auto-peep, and eventually you, there's no more room to take in breath because you're not blowing out. And for mm. us, it sounds really stupid, but Nurse mm. Lifeline is that space for you to breathe out. Mm. And take a full breath in again. You know, you need someone to flip it and disconnect that ventilator tubing and mm. decompress your lungs and let the air out. And that's mm. that's what we're doing. That's what we're encouraging is that mm. it's just that space. It's whatever you need it to be. Yeah. Maybe you want to ring up and talk about how, how work's going. If you're struggling with something, maybe mm. it's some other... Big event that's happening in your life, or maybe you want to ring up and talk about something completely random that's unrelated to anything that's going on, just to, to take your mind off it. And that's mm. what we want to be really. And like Clara said, just go beyond the listening service and create that empowered community. And that's what we've really seen with our volunteers. Our volunteers are incredible. Mm. They they contributed so much to the development mm. of this and mm. their passion is really what's what's driven it um again mm. doing this and volunteering to to cover shifts in between their own substantive post shifts mm. uh, and really for us the training aspect of it was really important wasn't it Kira yes. that we um, managed to um get training delivered to all of them in support skills and suicide awareness via the helpline's mm. partnership mm. and that was really important to provide that foundation first because we're, we're not mental health professionals this isn't a mental health intervention it's mm. just regular average joe nurses and midwives although I would say the volunteers are exceptional but you know the concept is that it's just a regular average joe nurse or midwife connecting with other yeah. regular nurses and midwives mm-hmm. but we wanted to be able to provide that that extra support to facilitate that listening environment um mm. and really with the suicide awareness thing to ensure we actually had a bit of criticism um from someone a few months back um saying oh are you really sure it's appropriate to be doing suicide awareness training with volunteers and we you know so absolutely we to us it's like cpr mm. we think everyone should have an understanding of suicide prevention and suicide awareness it should be fundamental like teaching first aid and CPR and I think to us if someone is feeling that way or having those thoughts if they you know we would much rather they came to us if they felt they couldn't go anywhere else we want to be that space too we're not a dedicated suicide prevention service by any means Mm -hmm. but we want to be able to if someone does approach us, keep them safe yeah. until we can get them to the right support. And I think mm. that was really empowering for the volunteers. We actually did a, a really great workshop earlier this week with Dr. Aneta Robert, mm. just to have those conversations, again, around suicide and, and what mm. it means to us. And I think part of what we're pushing for around this cultural shift around how we view mental and emotional well-being, again, is acting as preventative intervention for for ongoing issues and, and potentially influencing rates of suicide attempts and things, mm. you know, mm. normalising talking about how we're feeling at an early stage, like Kira said, as a student, as a newly qualified preceptee, ingraining it within the profession that we should be talking about it so that it doesn't build up clinically and, and knock us over the edge,
0: you know? Mm. Mm, absolutely. And you said it was a couple of things I'd like to just circle back to. So the first one was was, this is pre-pandemic, So this we started pre-pandemic. So we've had these issues in nursing as a nursing family for a long time around how we treat ourselves at work and how we what we expect as like normal levels of well-being or lack of well-being. And I'd like to think about that if if you're okay to do that in a second. But but also I think you were sort of saying how difficult you know it's been sort of setting up during this COVID period. And I guess I wonder if um, maybe you feel comfortable to share with us what that experience has been like working as an ICU nurse during that time, because we saw. Are you sure, not- you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so because there was a lot spoken about kind of like the well-being and the emotional well-being of staff, and then we had the strange clapping, which was great, but mm-hmm. PPE P- and pay would have been nicer. <laughs> so, so thanks very Absolutely. much for the claps. I, have some... <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have some. Would have been a
2: bonus. Yeah.
0: <laughs> But um, yeah, so I, I just wondered if you'd like to talk on, on either of those subjects and we'll circle back. So one was about the experience during COVID and the other was what's what going on in nursing, that we behave this way to ourselves and to each other sometimes.
2: Um, I I saw a really interesting post on social media by um, a, a doctor who is an influencer. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it was a, it highlighted a, a line in a book saying that burnout shouldn't be a badge of honour. And I think that... In nursing, as well as other mm. healthcare professions, it it almost is. You know, mm. you are. You know, it's seen to be positive if you're working in these acute areas, picking up extra shifts, managing mm. to have you know double the patient load you should be having, um, whilst trying to be a competent, confident practitioner. It's expected that you should just be thriving in that environment, and actually, that isn't the case. But, mm. but I do, and I do think we are beginning to see a slight shift. In, mm. in that mentality
3: mm. um but I don't know what what do you think that about that no I agree I think I think that line about burnout not being a badge of honor is is really great um mm. and really thought-provoking actually for many reasons <laughs> um mm. I, I for me it's not the whole badge of honor thing it's not about a look at me I'm doing great mm. it's more if you're not doing that it's that you're not meeting those expectations you're not mm. doing enough Mm -hmm. and there's that guilt that's associated with that Mm -hmm. um and kind of again the whole hero ideal that we spoke about previously that the whole the sentiment i I imagine behind the oh we're all heroes and clapping and things was Mm. was well-intentioned i believe but then we know this has been well documented and, and spoken about a lot that actually by by calling us heroes and having that expectation it made people really fearful and reluctant to come forward and say hey I'm struggling and and i I'm not a hero, and mm. I'm not doing what I should be doing um and it was great to have some positive public support for the profession and and for mm. you know the healthcare sectors um but it was quite short lived and I think that really took its toll as well to just kind of be dropped um it did kind of feel
2: like it was such an immediate decline in support it almost felt and we you know we know uh, you know working in healthcare that we are absolutely not through this it's still going Mm. on we're still seeing we haven't had a decrease in in winter pressures throughout Mm -hmm. the summer and we're only going to go into another winter and to know that actually that support was it did appear to be short-lived is Mm. it does feel a little bit demoralizing doesn't it Mm-hmm. and I think sorry go on. no no
3: no carry on
2: I was just going to talk a little bit about the barriers I think to seeking support in in nursing and I think that mm-hmm. we are seeing a lot of you know well-being projects set up at a local level which is really amazing although there is some disparity in that depending on what trust you work in it's brilliant that we're having wellbeing mm-hmm. projects and champions yeah. at a local level but we what we found anecdotally from chatting to other people is that people are a little bit reluctant to access that support at a local level. And I think that's for various reasons. I think that a lot of it is that you, you know, seeking support is showing an element of vulnerability and at a local level, being vulnerable with a colleague in an, in an area that's potentially has an expectation of you to appear resilient, which I don't really like that word either, but it's all about how it appears, isn't it? Um, it is, you know, that's a huge barrier. You know, you want to come across as someone that is competent and able to do your job and to the best of your ability to care for your patients. And I think that it is a worry that if you do show a sign of vulnerability and pretend, and weakness is the completely wrong word, but I think that's how mm. it is perceived, that you your colleagues mm. will find you, you know, maybe have that view of you that you could be incompetent or, you know, yeah not yeah. able to do which is completely incorrect but I think that that is sometimes the the worries that people people do have from speaking mm. to, to other people as well
3: mm. um absolutely I think there's a huge fear around that um yeah. at all levels and mm. I mean we're encouraging staff you know whether you're junior band five band four band two or or whether you're the chief executive of a trust you know you need to recognise that we need to break these barriers down but the only way it's going to happen is through doing it together for mm. to you know continuing to open that conversation around it and i think going mm. back to the kind of our experiences during covid it's really hard to imagine behind those doors of the icu unless you're there i know we focus a lot on icu but that's because it's you know our own lived experience mm. um and we know this, the research shows us that those staff have been the most adverse yeah. at this stage mm. behind those doors you know we've had we've had media cam you know we had cameras and things streamed online and to, to have a glimpse but that's the few seconds and that was our mm. reality day in day out for a really long time and, and still is in many areas
2: mm.
3: I think it's important to recognize the toll that it's taken I know perhaps it's been over talked but mm. you know we've been there we've we've filled the syringes and and held the hands and Mm. turned off the ventilators and phoned the families again and again and again Mm. I think a lot of us you know we were coming home to empty houses we were isolating for our own own families and there was no one there to offload with and like Kira said sometimes I mean it's great if you've got um a support network within your you know your peer group Mm. yeah but even then sometimes there's this feeling of oh if I'm offload with Kira, for example, maybe, you know, I feel a bit guilty because I don't want to burden her because she's also experiencing this huge pressure herself. To be see again, the idea with Nurse Lifeline is that it's anyone anywhere connected by that common experience, that shared understanding, mm. that you're removed from the immediate situation. You know, you can offload and never go back again or you can ring us the next day and speak to someone else. You know, it's, mm. it's just that safe space that we all need sometimes. I think recognising that we need that is... Is fundamental to move forward and to recover from this. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we'd, yeah, love to see it as a permanent
1: service that's, like we said, twenty-four-seven.
0: Absolutely. Let's go to Vanessa. I'm sure you've got some questions you'd like to
1: ask as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. Um, no. Just listening to you talking there, and I was thinking about trauma. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, you know, from being a, a mental health nurse, I think um, you know, as, as you've just described, really that the trauma doesn't necessarily happen while you're under extreme stress it happens wow. afterwards so perhaps mm-hmm. we haven't yet seen um you know the the full psychological mm-hmm. impact on the nursing workforce and you know the mm-hmm. rest of the nhs workforce who've been dealing with it i mean i know you know certainly when i've worked in very acute areas it's you know it's often afterwards isn't it because you're in yeah. firefighting mode yeah. while you're dealing with an emergency so I'm, i guess i'm wondering if you're starting to see um cases of people who are coming forward who are um, maybe experiencing trauma and um, and also um, you know we talked about suicide as well. So where where do you refer people on? do you sign post people onto other services um, if people come to you because I can imagine that you know potentially you could be dealing with some quite significant psychological um, trauma, um, you know suicidal ideas, People who have got kind of quite high-level mental health needs. So curious how the service responds to that.
3: Yeah. And so your first point about you know only the realization of what you've experienced only happening afterwards, I think, is a really valid point. And we are seeing that now as we've had a bit of a um, a, an an ebb in and what we've experienced, but it's it's still there. So it's hard to gauge. You know when. When things are going to surface, um, yeah, someone much. mentioned recently actually a really interesting comparison that people get sent off and deployed to war zones and it's really traumatic, but it's only for a specified amount of time. And we're in this position as health workers, as as nursing and midwifery professionals, as healthcare assistants. But actually, at the moment, there's no end in sight. Maybe it'll ease and we'll have peaks and troughs, but at the moment, this is just reality. That you know, in the early days, we thought, oh, you know, a few months, few months, few weeks, and this is an ongoing, permanent thing now. So,
1: yeah, I think there's something about that though that's important to know about the sort of COVID fatigue as well, isn't there? um, i used to um be involved in doing um sort of psychological support and debriefing following critical incidents years ago you know so particularly you know suicides or somebody was seriously assaulted and that kind of thing and um and one of the risk factors that we screened was what you said about whether people are going home to an empty house what support yeah. they're getting any other vulnerabilities they're having but it strikes me from listening to you that obviously the the sort of avalanche of um COVID sort of challenges and issues means that you know we we can't provide that for people and you know in it does it seem like it's sort of becoming more normalized that you know that nurses go to work and experience that level of of stress? I think it is and I think that I think that definitely in
2: well my my experience was that in the beginning it was almost um that we had that adrenaline everyone pulled together as a team you felt really it felt incredible that you were able to go to work for one you were able to go to work and do a job but two you were you were making you felt like you were making a positive impact and you felt like you were helping which was invaluable I think for me during the start of the pandemic and I think a lot of workplaces did feel like that they felt like for the first time they'd been you know given resources they wouldn't have had before and everyone worked together as a team and you felt that, that you were all in it together um, and I think that it's you know like we say that that's now tapering off it that sense of of burnout and COVID fatigue is beginning to happen because it you, it's just not sustainable it doesn't matter how amazing your team is and how um how you know you know much sleep you get it's still you know it's going to happen because it's it's ongoing um and I think that I do. I, and we know that mental health services are stretched for everybody. So and as a, as a nurse, like you say, you do feel like you're not entitled to seek that support. Sometimes you're like, no, I'm I'm the carer. I'm the person that is looking after the public or my patients. And therefore, I, I shouldn't be using up that capacity mm-hmm. for myself, mm-hmm. you know. So um, I do, and I do think it is an expectation within nurses, within nursing that you you are going to go to work and it is going to be stressful and that's just how it is that's that i do feel like that is sometimes
3: the culture absolutely mm-hmm. um just going back to what you said Vanessa, about the kind of the suicide aspect yes. of it again just to reiterate so we aren't again a mental health intervention no, that but we've um I mean, the calls we've had have been really varied so far. It's amazing to see calls coming through. Into We always said, didn't we care? That even if we just helped one person, it would all have, all have been worth it. All mm-hmm. the sleepless nights would have been worth it just to help that one person. Mm-hmm. Um, but the calls we're seeing so far are so varied from, from newly qualified nurses, from students, from people who have imposter syndrome, who are, who are anxious about new job roles and new working environments, nurses and midwives who are retired, um, people who have who are going through finished practice, which we can't advise upon, but they just want that space to offload impartially and chat with someone who gets it. We haven't had so far, thankfully, anyone who's actively feeling suicidal, but we've had people who have felt suicidal in the past and are kind of just wanting to talk about that and process what it means for them. Um, But again, there's that fear thing, isn't there, Kira, which we're hoping we can break down through the fact that it's Mm. peer-to-peer. But again, so when we were talking to Dr. Nessa Reberga the other evening, actually asking that question is it can be such a relief for someone because when you're when you're feeling burnt out you're feeling rubbish or you're having those suicidal thoughts carrying around and wearing that mask day in day out and pretending you're okay is exhausting and to actually to have someone ask you um are you are you feeling suicidal can be a really scary thing especially for volunteers who are new to this kind of thing to ask but it can be such a relief and and the lifting of the burden is felt by the person um if they're able to say actually yeah i am and so we've got some really fantastic algorithms that are in place to handle calls like that and tim cooplin's been instrumental in helping us to do that and so the rcn and the mental health forum and, and nikki supported us as well um, to make sure that we handle that safely and if appropriate escalate mm. to, to receive more um clinical support or immediate care if needed Um, there's a really important thing for us related to that about supervision for the volunteers, because they're contributing, again, so much of their own time and they find it really rewarding. We're seeing that so far, a really therapeutic experience for themselves to be able to contribute something bigger that, you know, outside of their their own roles. But supervision is something that was fundamental for us to ensure that their well-being and safety um, is safeguarded and and comes first as a priority for us. Um, so at the moment, they have every eight weeks, whilst we're still you know, growing the service, they have um, a reflective group debrief session where they can bring any experience um, in practice and, and discuss it and talk it through and discuss lessons learned and how they handle things. But there's also the piece about um, one-to-one ad hoc support if they need it. we've got a great structure where the team they work in three or four so there's always somebody on shift at the end and on-call coordinator to debrief with and discuss how they found it went so putting our volunteer safety and and well-being first is essential for us Mm
0: -hmm. absolutely absolutely i guess um we're sort of hitting half half an hour now so (laughs) quick (laughs) think about uh, making sure we've covered everything you've talked about you know the sort of nature of the problem and why we set things up, and I guess maybe it'd be useful to look at what you want to happen in the future, where you think this is going to go, and what you would like to see. I'll
2: I tell think you a bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Natalie and I have spoken at length about you know what what we envisage for the future, and I think that the key take home is to just what we'd like to see is just to lower the threshold for people accessing support. So you don't have to have had something really awful happen to you to give us a call or to access any kind of support that is more suitable to you. You know, one size doesn't fit everybody. Um, But yeah, just, just making, just, you know, knocking down those barriers and ensuring that people feel able to access support. Um, I think, that is the primary thing for us that we'd like to see. We'd also love for the service to you know outlive us and be a 24 7 service that we're there for everybody. Um, whenever they need us, and not just during our opening hours, because you know, also we also know those times don't suit everybody as well. Um, and I, I would love to see the nursing community come together and support each other, and 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 do create that positive, empowered environment because I think that's so important. And there's there's so many of us
3: that we we can make a real change, can't we? You know, it can
2: be Absolutely. a driving force.
3: Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's something we want other nurses and midwives to feel proud of because it's. Of the profession for the profession it's it's something that's been created by them really Mm. it's not it's not about us we're the little people in the background it's something that the profession can really kind of take ownership of and say this is of us you know what what look what happens when we pull together and we feel driven and we feel pushed to to overcome challenges and and reach out to each other and support each other and i think it's it's really hard we've discussed kind of already Your identity as a as a person, when you are a nurse or midwife or someone in the health sector, is so it's so intertwined with who you are. You know, it's it's really hard to have that boundary of. -hmm. of, But I think because we put so much into it, physically and emotionally, and you often come home with not much left inside. You feel quite drained all the time. But there are obviously so many positive moments. But because Mm -hmm. you give so much to it, it just it becomes your identity. It becomes who you are, which Mm -hmm. in a way is great. But in a way it's also really damaging because it's like mm. if that goes wrong and if that's not going well, if you're feeling loads of pressure in that role, who are you outside of that? When that's taken away, what's mm. what's left? <laughs> you mm. know, who am I? And mm. um,
0: mm. so
3: I think it's really important to have those conversations about identity and about who we are as individuals, not just as nurses or not just as midwives. Mm. Um, and really, yeah, encouraging those conversations is, is a big thing for us. Um, mm. who we are outside of our roles and and how we can support each other to, to recognise that too. Um, I suppose really we just want to use this as an opportunity to for it to kind of be a call to action to anyone who might watch this or anyone who knows someone who might be struggling. And like Chris said, even if you're not struggling yet, using it as a normal thing, part, becoming part of your routine that maybe you bring up 10 minutes or an hour or however long you want it to be and just... Download that information. We've um we've actually been fortunate enough um to have Sarah Lister joining our team actually very soon, um mm. who's the head of psychological and pastoral support at the Royal Marsden, mm. and author of the Marsden Manual, and mm. she is a nurse counsellor and is very supportive of the peer to peer model, um mm. and and talks a lot like Kira said about how uh, over time the things that we consider normal, they have a cumulative effect on how we're feeling and using that space to just download get rid of it and then move on sometimes it's enough to maintain that homeostasis that that balance that we need and retain that identity Mm. and kind of that transition between work mode and home mode Mm. we're really bad at I think collectively that's maybe a stereotype but we're really it's hard to switch off sometimes when you get home I know Kira and I have woken up at three in the morning sometimes I think and thought oh my gosh I've forgotten to give that or I didn't switch that off or you know I think your subconscious takes a while to come down from that high level adrenaline mode. All systems go. Um, So, Mm. so using this model to just kind of, yeah, whatever you need it to be. Time to Mm. decompress. Time to transition between work mode and home mode. If you're Mm. feeling anxious about a shift the next day, and you need a pep talk, you want some encouragement, or you want to just Mm. run something by another nurse or midwife, or Mm. or you are really struggling, that's what we're here for. Um, We've actually one of our big aims that we we want to reach all the mm-hmm. estimated in the UK. So at least everyone knows yeah. that. Maybe they don't want to use the service right now. But we've developed these, well, Kiri developed these fantastic little cards. You might not be able to see them on screen right now. Yeah. Um, designed to be kept in your purse or wallet. Just, yeah. you know, like your organ donation card, an integral part of your handbag or, or bag mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that maybe you don't need it right now. Maybe in a week or in a few months or next year, you'll see it and think, oh, hang on a minute. I, I'm going to give them a call. I I, I could do with that right now, and mm-hmm. it's about everyone feeling entitled to do that. I think we mm-hmm. we need to feel yeah. like we're worth that. You know, investing a bit of time in ourselves to to process how we're feeling and and verbalise how we're feeling. So I think when you verbalise things. It helps you to process it and, and think about it in a different way and have a different perspective on it. Um, possibly. So I our, our aim is to get these into the hands of every nurse and midwife and healthcare assistant in the UK and students too. I think the piece on mm-hmm. students is really, really important to us.
2: Um because it's, it's a tough time
3: to join the profession. It is, it really is. Yeah. But I also think, you know,
2: aside from if you didn't want to access our helpline at the moment, I think that the message is to prioritize your own wellbeing. Mm-hmm. It, it is not sustainable if you're not doing that and um, mm. we've got lots of resources on our website but there are lots of amazing ideas and tips and tricks online as well mm. um so just yeah prioritize yourself every now and again it's it does a world of good that's mm. what
0: i'd say the really useful thing to think about is next i can remember the times in in my career when i thought i was doing really well it was often the times when i really wasn't doing that well um, when you feel like, no, I've got this together. And then you think, actually, it's not that I've got this together, just I've stopped feeling anything.
3: Yeah, or, you're
0: disengaged from Yeah, that there, and so it's, it's really dangerous. It's really mm-hmm. dangerous. And I think, luckily, luckily, being in mental health, you can't avoid supervision. Not that you should avoid supervision. But <laughs> it can be quite difficult, can't it, to actually acknowledge painful experiences and challenge mm-hmm. and feelings of failure and feelings of anxiety. And I think you're right that almost... nursing is an integral part of you but it's also a role isn't it so you speak differently you look different you dress differently you act differently as a nurse it's part of you but it's not your whole self and it's very easy for it to become a mask that covers you up instead of um something which means you give better care and i think it's it's really interesting to think about how we do divide people into good and bad nurses or yeah. resilient and not resilient when the fact is that vulnerability is a free-floating thing and we're all vulnerable at some times and in some circumstances and that's right mm-hmm. otherwise we would lose our ability to empathize with each other and to have compassion for pain and loss and fear and anxiety i can't imagine anything worse than being looked after by a nurse who has never been afraid or never been in pain what an awful experience you'd be being looked after by like a robot it would be awful. Awesome. Yeah. So we have to allow that side of ourselves to come through. And we have to sort of cherish it and acknowledge it, I think, and actually give it some space to breathe because it's you can't give good care without being vulnerable sometimes. And it's really important that we um don't shame people for those feelings. Mm-hmm. And also I remember one thing that was really um I remember from being a young a, a baby nurse in the adult ward would you have to say I hated always <laughs> a fiery yeah, passion. Really. but I did meet one matron who was both terrifying and hilarious and there was one nurse who was like going around saying you I know, haven't, haven't been to the little wall shift and um, this matron just turned around and said you'll be no use to me with a kidney infection and I'm just like that was the end of the hero brutal here, but mom. true <laughs> <laughs> like, but it's true isn't it I'm like nobody gets better because you suffer if you are not sleeping properly and and you're coming to work and you're not well enough to be at work or you're not taking a break after a little while you're not helping anymore Mm. you're creating an expectation of a a toxic environment which you may decide to accept that, that that might be your choice but what about the student nurse coming through who's watching you who's watching you do all these really poisonous things and stop thriving and they're learning that this is how you be a good nurse. Because a lot of what we teach people, we teach unconsciously. You know, you say, oh, you must take your break. But if you, they see you not take your break or you say it's really important to share, you know, share how you feel and to teach your supervision. But they see you skipping out on that side of things. You know, we we teach such a lot with that kind of hidden curriculum. We think we're teaching one thing, but actually we're teaching something completely different. So um, I do really Think that what you're doing is important. And I have to say, and I always sound really insincere whenever I say anything emotional, I feel really um, pleased and proud that you guys are doing that. I'm a little mildly embarrassed that mental health nurses didn't think of it. But okay. It's <laughs> still, still okay. I'm still okay with it. But um, I think, Vanessa, there's a question I think we have a mushtag.
1: Yeah, yeah, there is. I'm um, just going to find it. It was quite a, a great question. Mushtag's been a guest previously mm. with us as well. Mm. So, um, yeah, the question is, um, she thinks it's a fantastic idea, she says, first of all. Um, currently, the only people that get it might be other healthcare professionals who are already overburdened. And then she writes, I think it's inclusive that carers, families and friends could use the helpl- helpline. Um, which is the crux of the question really As often they are the forgotten support network and sometimes you don't want to share with colleagues so you're more likely to share with somebody at home perhaps the problem is the workplace so having an external organization where you can be validated is very valuable
3: I'm really really excited by this question I'm <laughs> so excited question, yeah. be- because we some people are around and us oh you know are you sure the remit of the service is right? Have you got the right balance here? But we are, we are for friends and family of yeah. these staff groups too, which is, which is so important to us because again, that thing about us coming home and if you, if we've got no one to offload to, we're offloading to the people that are in front of us if they're there, you know, and it's hard again for them to understand really what that means. And it, yeah. it can be quite overwhelming to experience that. And that, you know, the whole risk of vicarious trauma is is a thing, isn't it? Um, we all yeah. know that. Um, so the, the idea of giving them space to offer or or say my or my partner or who my family member, or my friend is struggling. What can I do? Or if they're struggling themselves, I think it's so important that we recognize that and talk about that, too. I don't know what you think, Kira.
2: No, no, I yeah, fully agree. I fully agree. We we've obviously been met with some challenges um, in kind of our approach and what we think is important for the service Um, and I think it's so lovely to hear when someone else is on the same page as you so yeah totally wholeheartedly agree that
3: they are just as important. We're really really keen actually we've got a really robust data capture framework Um, I think it's really important for us to measure what we're seeing and Mm. and the relevant data is processed properly and we're in the process well the very the earliest conceptual phase of getting ethical approval to do that but I think this kind of engine it has it has potential this kind of intervention sorry has real potential to to instigate other initiatives and, and other change at the at ground level i think that's the key piece again for us yeah. is that it's at ground level
1: um and it'd be really interesting to see how how that progresses mm. mm-hmm. do you get any um funding from the nhs or is it at the moment yeah. completely self-funding? We've bonds. actually been,
3: yeah, fortunate enough at the moment. I mean, a lot of our cash has gone into it. We have to admit, in the very early <laughs> days, um, but uh, we were fortunate enough to receive um, funding to get off the ground from the COVID healthcare support um, appeal. Yeah, yeah. Who are a subsidiary of the RCN Foundation, which is fantastic to have that support. So we're so grateful to them for that. Mm. Um, but we desperately need now to, to yeah, enter yeah. the growth and sustainability phase to. Yeah, We've had people running marathons already, and loads of amazing fundraising events. So, if people want a challenge, then that's you know, another call to action, I suppose. Is it? Yeah. But I guess it would. Yeah, it would
1: be good to see the NHS, wouldn't it? Um, you know, and public sector organisations put funding behind it, and maybe you know, as you start mm-hmm. to evaluate, that's where you'll have the evidence to say that you know this could be rolled out a much much bigger level if you have Mm. the right resources and you know it could still be run couldn't it as a grassroots Mm. sort of organization Mm. but with some Mm. funding behind it yeah
3: absolutely and we've actually had great support so far from the cno team the noa's been really supportive of us and and acts as a sounding board at at several stages Mm. but Mm -hmm. i think that there is also as a kind of caveat to that there the appeal for a lot of people we've spoken to of it is that it sits independently, that it isn't part Mm. of a union or the NHS, or whatever else it's, it's outside of that, which to some Mm -hmm. people is appealing Mm -hmm. because there's not that risk again, of the fear and the workplace stuff and um, but again there's no one size fits all but it, yeah, i think
1: collaboration I is really important mm, i do get that but i mean i think you know like i used to work for the nhs leadership academy so you know we, we you know we put funding behind um organisations and movements that were led by you know clinicians um, so it doesn't mean that you know the big class of the organisation <laughs> has to kind of come in and They're take not It at all. It'd it'd be amazing. And, and run it but i think you know an appeal if anyone's listening that <laughs> any, <laughs> any important is worthwhile, isn't yeah. it? For future. Yeah, yeah.
2: We would be hugely yeah. grateful for any long term funding because yeah. um that is huge. It's massive to you know, for the project to be sustainable and to, to outlive us guys, which we'd really like to happen. So yeah, mm-hmm. we would be hugely grateful if um anyone can put us in contact with or has any great amazing ideas that we haven't thought of, but
3: Yeah, we're just we're just so grateful and so again excited about the potential of it and how it's brought us all together during a time Mm -hmm. of real uncertainty. um, Mm -hmm. That we've had this to focus on collectively. So, yeah, it's
0: fantastic. It sounds like those are almost our final thoughts. Then, is there anything Mm -hmm. briefly that anybody wanted to add? And before we do that, we don't have time really to go for questions. But I do have a couple of um, uh, uh, WhatsApps from students. One of which is saying um, how amazing you guys are. Yeah, and there's another one that has that weird emoticon with like the smiley face and the. Yeah, hug. is that a hug? I think that's a hug. Oh, Thanks, so. we'll take that. Yeah, big fan of virtual <laughs> hugging. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: yeah. I think um, it is important, and I, and again, as I was saying, you know, this is what role modelling looks like, isn't it? Getting up and and showing that nurses have the power to make change when they they see something that's not right. So it's super, super impressive. So, is there anything you wanted to leave people with apart from, um, if anyone has any particularly long-term funding, give us your money.
3: That <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> One actual, one one. Known notice actually, we mm. desperately want. Um, I think it's really important to have, you know, patrons and high-level ambassadors, but we would love to see ground-level student ambassadors and representatives, newly qualified ambassadors, to fly the nurse life flag where they're from and and take that on where you know where they're their career takes them and so if people are keen to support that we'd love to come and do presentations in the university and, and see how you know to empower you guys too to say you're part of this you, you have the power to, to create change and be a part of
0: this journey too fantastic um Vanessa, was there anything you wanted to add no i just think um the, the point that we talked
1: about um in terms of burnout was really important and you know nikki sort of elaborated on that and i was nodding <laughs> my head a lot because i think you know burnout isn't necessarily the people that are off duty it's the people that are on duty that are avoiding patients that are feeling emotionally numb because of of, you know their Mm -hmm. own psychological pain and trauma and as Nikki said don't realize Mm -hmm. it at the time so I think it's you know about recognizing that as well in colleagues because they they might be the people that don't come forward but somebody else might recognize um you know the changes in behavior and so I think it's just a really important point that everybody's raised, but I wanted mm. to um,
0: re-emphasise it at the end, really, as well. Mm. Absolutely. So thank you very much, everybody. Um, been fantastic to see you. Natalie, did you want to add something? I it's feel okay. like you did.
3: So, so what, if, if you want to call us, call <laughs> us tonight, anytime we're here. But again, if you notice other people who've got those warning signs, if you know someone who's a bit withdrawn, yeah. Quiser, yeah. give them a card, send them the link to our website and tell them about us. So.
0: Sorry, I'll stop that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, everybody. And it's so Thank fantastic you. to have spent time with you guys tonight. And thanks everybody yeah, for watching. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Good night. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye.